Let's pray together. Father, we quiet our hearts now. As I know, I, as I was preparing for this message this week, how you humbled me and are humbling me still. And so we come in need of you this morning as we come every morning and every hour and every moment of our days that we need you, O oh God. We come in view of the one for whom and by whom all things exist. And who is that? It is Christ the Lord. That's why we exist. You made us, Jesus, for yourself. <laughs> and we exist now for you. Every single person on this planet was made for you. Yet we have rebelled and sought our own way. We thank you, Lord, that you have made the way, though. You have sent your son Jesus into the world to come and to save us from our sins, that through Christ he is the one, he is the Savior, he is the Redeemer, he is the Rescuer for us. And so we come in view of Christ our Lord this morning, who is our redemption. And we come under Christ and we pray earnestly that you would help us to live under Christ and under him and in him and for him. Help us, Father, we pray, and sanctify us today. Change us today. And help us today that we would see that we're not alone here. We're not to go in this Christian walk as though we're alone in walking and living and doing all that we do. We go with the body of Christ. You never intended for any believer to go on in their life apart from this, apart from the body and the local church. And so we thank you that we do not go it alone, but we go together. And so be with us at Haven and be with other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout this area and the churches who are faithfully preaching and declaring the one true gospel. May you help us to go forth together for the sake of the gospel. And so may you do that today. May you grow us, change us, renew us, stir us, move us, and all for your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn with me to the letter of James. We'll be in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 this morning as we continue our study walking through this letter. Here in Alabama especially here in northern Alabama, you know, and really you have no need really for me to tell you this, but I will anyway, you know something about storms. 
or even seeing some little storm today or at least some rain. And so you know and you are not amateurs. You have seen over the years some bad ones, right? Even some really bad ones, even deadly tornadoes that have gone about spreading destruction upon everything in their path. And what did those tornadoes do? Did they say, oh, let me just wait for you a moment and let you get your things together and move on your way? No, they, they did not consider you at all, did they? They just went right on their way, regardless of families, regardless of homes, regardless of businesses, regardless of churches. These tornadoes, they just went right on with their devastation. Well, as we press on in the book of James, we see something akin to this. But not in the form of storms or tornadoes or even Hurricane Ian's. It's wisdom gone awry. It's people, people who are like tornadoes, <laughs> causing disarray and disorder and devastation in their wake. Well, James, he calls us away from that sort of ghastly wisdom to a wisdom that is anything but ghastly, to a wisdom that is oh, a breath of fresh air. It's life-giving, and it's wisdom that is from above. Amen. And so to see this, let's read here then in James chapter 3 beginning with verse 13. May God help us receive and hear the Spirit's words this morning. James 3.13 Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As we're now well into this book or this letter of James, as we continue on and we are, well, many weeks into it now, 
We need to come back and back up just a tiny bit to remember what James is about and James's theme. And so the book or this letter as a whole is calling all who know Christ by faith to walk in that faith, to be genuine. It's calling for believers to be what they are, to live lives of genuine, real godliness. So no guises. James, he's not about that. He doesn't want a guise and no masks, no facades. What he wants and he wants to see from you for those who really know Christ, who profess Christ, is he wants to see the beauty of the gospel in your life. He wants you and he wants to see you walk really and truly for Christ. And so as we come and continue on then in James in chapter 3, as we have seen and even saw last week as he talked about the tongue, at this point as I read those verses, you see that that's the theme of James. You might then be legitimately asking after you heard about the tongue, wait a minute here. (laughs) How did he go from talking about the tongue In chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, they're now going on here to talking about wisdom. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. How does he go from that to this? Well, it's true. James just addressed in full force. And if you were here last week, you probably felt that. As James does, he just continues right on like a bull and tells you like it is. And so he told us like it is in regard to our words. And so we saw then in James 3 that our words are works. Right in line with, John, with James 2, verses 14 through 26, where he said, faith without works is what? Dead. And that means if you know Christ, he's saying real faith will not be empty. Real faith Real produce, real works. And so part of that is that your words are works as well. And so hearing all of that, though, sets us up for what we see here in these verses. His turn here to wisdom, contrary to how it might first seem in just reading this and wondering about this, it makes total sense. So when Jesus, he saves you, if you know Christ this morning, he wants the whole thing. He doesn't want like a portion of your life here and there. He wants everything. He wants all of you, not half of you. He doesn't want half of your life. He wants your whole life, every single part of it. And you'll not find a sort of Christianity at least arising from Scripture, that is all divided up, compartmentalized, arranged in these separate little cubicles, if you know what I mean. It's the way that many have learned what it means to know Christ today. But that's not the way that Jesus has taught 
what it means to know him. Where we say, well, here's the work side of my life over here. And here's the family side of my life over here. And here's the fun side of my life over here. And here's the education student side over here. And then finally, here's the Jesus side over here. And I might overlap the other things, but Jesus is just fine at church on Sunday morning for one hour. And he can stay there. And he can stay there in my Bible too. (laughs) And that's where I'm going to keep him. Because I've compartmentalized my life in such a way that Jesus has no part in it outside of this time, this morning. I want to encourage you, and not just that, God's word, James, is commanding all of us to absolutely throw that out. That is not the way that you have learned Christ. That is not the way of the gospel whatsoever. That's not Christianity. And that's not the way that Jesus has set for his followers to follow him. So saying all that brings us right here to these verses. Right here to the important area of wisdom. Because wisdom affects what? Your life. (laughs) So it makes complete sense that James is turning here right now. Because he's calling for your life. God is calling for every area of your life. And there is a false wisdom, and there is a true wisdom, a real wisdom. And as James begins here, we see in verse 13 that real wisdom looks a certain way. Real wisdom looks a certain way. And why does it do that? Why does real wisdom look a certain way? Because wisdom is about your life, like you just said, like we just said. And it's about what you do with that. It's about right living. And so it's no surprise that James turns here to wisdom because he's concerned with us living out the reality of our faith if it is real. And if that's a problem, you go back to, John, to James. I keep saying John, but James 2, 14 through 26, where he dresses that head on. Because if it is real, real faith produces real works. And if it's not real, you won't see a thing. Because it's not real. And so it's no surprise that James answers the question that he asks here. In verse 13, the way he does. And so he asks in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And so this, what he's saying here, is a community or is an exhortation for community-wide wisdom. 
for community-wise wisdom. It's not for a segment of Christians. It's for all Christians. He's not saying, this right here, what I'm saying, is only for you who are super spiritual. You know, if you are super spiritual, this is for you. All you other people can kind of stand over here for a moment. I'm talking about those who are really serious about God and Jesus Christ. Well, that's not what he's doing here. He's not leaving anyone out as he's making this exhortation. This is a wisdom that every single one of us, if you claim to know Jesus Christ, we are to be aiming at and we are to have. He's saying essentially, may you all be wise and understanding. Let this be you. That's the point. You be this. Now it is here that we might encounter an area at just this point. If the water at your home, your faucet, as you're getting that and drinking that, if it's drawn from a sewer, do you think you might be in a little bit of trouble? Do you think that you would want to drink that water? Well, no, you wouldn't. What you need and what I need is we need good water. <laughs> we need the good stuff. We don't need all this sewage and ugh, yeah, all that stuff that comes with drinking anything like that. We need pure water and not like that nasty sewage water. Yet it might well be that many, and maybe even you, are drawing your wisdom from toxic sources. The world is not to be your source for wisdom. Naturalism is not to be your source for wisdom. And if you don't think that's a big deal, that is the default view of every movie, like all of Marvel, that whole thing, DC, all that stuff. That's the default view of that. And everything that's happening within the United States right now is naturalism and, and secularism. You are not, that is not to be your source for wisdom. Religious pluralism is not to be your source for wisdom. All religions are ultimately the same. They're all ultimately talking about the same God. No, they're not. Amen. And they're not. We're not to draw our source from our wisdom from that source. Relativism, which is what you hear and most certainly hear in colleges. I did. And I basically stood alone in my classroom saying, do you believe that to be true? As they said, you know, that's just your view. And I believe this and I believe that. And I said, well, well, that's all nice and good, you denying truth and all. But do you believe that to be true, whatever you're saying? Well, and they have to admit, well, I guess I do have some view of the truth. Well, relativism cannot be our source for wisdom either. 
worldviews that draw from godless sources are in trouble. And it could well be that you have been drawing from those. Is it any surprise that the world does not make sense? And that perhaps your life is a bit messier than you thought it would be following those sources of wisdom. And now, sure, you might be able to go on for a time drinking sewer water, (laughs) but you're in trouble. And your body will not handle that for long. Well, James, he is pointing us away from all of those false sources of wisdom. And he is pointing us to the source that we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ are to go to. Capital S, the source. You are to draw from him who made everything, who knows why all this is. He's the one who made it. He knows why you are. He knows why your family is. He he knows everything. He knows about physics. He knows about the universe. He knows about molecules. He knows all all those things before we ever even had a thought of them. And he made it all. And so we are to go to him and he is to be the stream that you draw from and flowing from the pure life-giving water of Christ then. You go out and you live a life informed and empowered by Christ to live life in all of life to the glory of God. That's what we're being called to do. A number of months ago, we walked through on Wednesday nights the book of Proverbs. And it was such a rich study as we took it chapter by chapter until the end. Well, this is what Proverbs is about. You know, Proverbs, it begins this way. In Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All those other sources I just mentioned, they're in that other category. On the fool side, despising wisdom and instruction. And so after saying that, In Proverbs 1-7, then it goes on to launch into the whole book, calling everyone to a life lived out in the fear of God. And as it does that, it goes from subject to subject to subject in every sphere of life, saying that every sphere of your life is to be lived out in the fear of the living God. No area is left untouched because every area of your life is to be lived out in the fear of God. And that is what we saw as well in Proverbs chapter 2 that David read for us a moment ago. 
and that flowing from the Lord who gives wisdom, live, walk, and glorify God. And as Dennis said too, this isn't the first time that James has brought up the topic of wisdom in this book, right? Way back at the beginning, he said in chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. May that be your prayer. May that be my prayer. May that be our prayer in all of life. And so we see here the reason why wisdom looks a certain way. It's because of its source. And this wisdom, true wisdom, it abounds with good. True wisdom abounds with good good. And so literally here in verse 13, this is read in the Greek, let him show his works by good conduct in the meekness of wisdom. And so true wisdom that abounds with good, it's not grandiose. (laughs) It's not prideful. It's not self-seeking. But rather, what we see here is that it's, it's meek. It's humble. And so as we see all this, this is to be your response. Long to grow in this sort of wisdom. Long to grow in this sort of wisdom. It's that longing that we heard a moment ago from Proverbs 2, right? I mean, let me read it for you again so you can see it. So Proverbs 2 verses 1 through 6, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with, it, with, with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. For you and I are to long for this wisdom like that. Are you calling out for insight? Are you raising your voice for understanding, seeking it like silver and searching for it like a hidden treasure? That's to be our demeanor. Oh Lord, give me wisdom. I will pour out myself over your word. I will love it. I will get it in my mind. I will get it in my heart. I will get it in my family. I will get it in this church. That's how I long for it. And that's how you are to long for it this morning. And so long like that, pursue after godliness. 
pursue a life defined by the fear of the Lord and by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that kind of longing in view, a longing for the right kind of wisdom, James, he now turns to contrast two different kinds of wisdom here. Two different kinds of wisdom in verses 14 through 18. And they are quite the contrast. He contrasts wisdom that isn't from above with wisdom that is. And so let's just follow James's order here, beginning with the first kind, earthly wisdom. And let's just be honest about this one right off the bat. This sort of wisdom is ugly. This sort of wisdom is ugly. And it is. It is ugly. And I can tell you that from personal experience, not just from the fact that prior to coming to know Christ, I've seen the ugliness, the result of that in my own life. But I've seen this as well. I've seen the tornadoes bring about their devastation. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the weather. <laughs> I'm talking about people. I've seen people do this. I've seen people waylay so much. They've waylaid their families. They've waylaid relationships. They have waylaid churches. And my friends, it is ugly. And I have seen it far too much than I would have liked. The greatness of this ugliness. And what is that ugliness? And God forbid that it would be here at Haven. But if it comes, this is what it is founded upon. As James says here in verse 14, it is founded upon bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Please hear this now. Do not be fooled. No, how, no matter how lofty the argument, this is driving the boat. I say it with urgency because I have seen it. It's a tornado that results from its central source, which is not God, but it is the self. Sometimes we don't see just how ugly this is. And we don't see it for what it is. We might even dismiss it or even reason it away. Well, God, He does not want us to do that. He does not want you to do that in your life. And He does not want us to do that in our relationships or as a church. And so he tells us plainly that a person living like this way, verse 15, that this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. 
This earthly wisdom results in ungodliness and division. It results in ungodliness and division. And so with this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, there will be, verse 16, disorder in every vile practice. And what is that? Well, that is a tornado, (laughs) my friends. And it is vile. Literally, the word there for vile is the word evil. So don't tame it. If you're wanting to make this tame, that tornado going through your family, your marriage, your relationships, the churches, it's evil. And so let me ask you, is that ugly to you? (laughs) And the truth is that I doubt that this is the vision statement that many people have for their lives. But they think, you know, when when I get married, you know what I want to do? Is I just want to wreck the whole thing, (laughs) you know? I just want to be a tornado and destroy it, you know? I doubt that's the way people begin. Or with their children, you know, I just really want to make them suffer. That when they grow up, I want them to hate me and the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I doubt people begin that way or they come into the church saying, you know, I just want to wreck this whole community. I want to see people hurting each other, speaking evil against each other. I just want to see dismay everywhere. I doubt that's the way many people begin. Yet, with self at the center, with ungodly sources as their source, and perhaps your source for wisdom, that's where you're heading. And that's where they go. Going there blindly, going there willingly, and devastatingly destroying everything in their path. Friends, self, and hear me here, self is no friend to you. (laughs) It will argue with you again and again. It will tell you it's your friend, but yourself is not your friend, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Saying it that way, yourself is not your friend, it is a devil. And so as we see this, and as we take, and take these words of James, we need to see something, and we need to see it clearly. We need to see how repulsive this is. How repulsive this is. You know, years ago, and maybe you've done this, I accidentally drank some rotten milk. (laughs) And that was not pleasant. (laughs) That was very repulsive, right? Now, after you've done something like that, having drank rotten milk, you never want to do it again. (laughs) And so what you begin doing as you're taking your milk at times, if it feels a little heavy, you just smell it just to make sure 
You know, I'm not going to draw from that. I'm not putting that in me again. It's absolutely nasty. <laughs> it's repulsive. It's disgusting. It's sickening, right? I mean, you instantly perhaps spit it out. Well, that's what we need to do with this sort of wisdom, with self at the center. This is what this sort of wisdom is like. It's not the kind of wisdom that you want. For believers, it's not to be. This is not the kind of wisdom that needs to be flowing out from you and from me. A person who claims to be a believer and they look like this, it's like having nacho cheese on your ice cream. That's not to be. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> and if you have, stop it. <laughs> That's not good. So we do need to be repulsed by this. This is not the kind of wisdom that we're to have. And as we hear all this, we also need to be warned here. As James is about to talk about peace, we need to beware of a false peace as well. What this is, is this is having what appears to be peace, but it's anything but peace. There may be no noise, but the lack of noise is the noise. And you'll find this Sadly, you'll find this in homes, you'll find this in churches, and you'll find this in countries everywhere. Behind that silence is not peace, but a tyrant. It might appear to be peace on the outside, but inside... There are devils, there are snares, and there are traps around every single corner. And that's not the kind of peace that we are called to. Is this fake, tyrant sort of peace? It looks fine, but oh my, people are in chains everywhere. That is not peace. And God does not want us to have that facade sort of peace. Not in our families, not in our marriages, not anywhere. He is calling for us to have the real thing. A peace that is informed and defined and truly only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A peace... That is wonderful. And so rather than earthly wisdom, we are to have that other one. <laughs> We're to have this. We're to have heavenly wisdom. And this heavenly wisdom, it is not ugly 
Praise the Lord. It is not ghastly. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. This is wisdom from above. Just look at the list of the wonders and the beauty of this wisdom here. This wisdom is pure. It's without ill motive. It is God-centered. This wisdom is peaceable. It sows peace, not discord, not conflict, and not evil. It's gentle, not harsh, not rough, not a bully. It is gentle. It's open to reason. It receives counsel. It listens to others. It receives godly words. It's full of mercy. Praise the Lord. As we saw, as James said in chapter 2, verse 8 through 13, you can look back at that. It's full of mercy. It's full of good fruits. As we saw in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, real faith produces real works. The tree goes out and bears good fruit. It's impartial, as we saw in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Not showing partiality. It's sincere, as we've been called to throughout this whole letter. Beautiful. <laughs> Wonderful. How many of you would like your homes and your relationships and this church to look like that. Me, you know, yes, amen. That's exactly what I want. And I pray that's exactly what you want. And I know that's what you want. And this heavenly wisdom results in a harvest of righteousness and peace, which is what we see in verse 18. He says there, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now that imagery and the imagery that James is giving here, it draws you in. You want that. <laughs> and as we look out over our families and relationships and churches, we don't want to find disorder in every vile practice. We don't want to find destruction. We long to see a harvest of purity, to see a harvest of peacemakers, to see gentle men and gentle women, women in a host of reasonable people, a host of merciful people, a host of impartial people, a host of genuine, imperfect, 
followers of Jesus Christ. And as we see this, at this point, I think we need some answers though, don't we? We need an answer to the question, how could such a thing like this ever happen? (laughs) Right? Big question. How can this be? How does this happen in my marriage with my children and my relationships in my church? The only way this is possible is through the power of the cross of Christ. It's through the power of the cross of Christ. Behind this is not you. It's Christ. If self is lifted high, the cross will be made low. But if self is low, the cross will be Lifted high. Yes, you are not perfect. I am not perfect. But the beauty is not found in all that. It's not found from you. It's found in an imperfect people all bowing before the perfect, sinless, innocent Savior. And when we all do that with all of our differences and personalities and opinions... Wow, what beauty is found in seeing the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ on display for everyone to see. That is beautiful. And that's what this is. So long as we are about ourselves, that is exactly what we will get. We'll get more self and not less. It's only, only in losing our lives that we find it, that we find our lives. And so this morning, lay yourself down. Lay yourself down in your marriage, in your family, in whatever it is you you fill in the blank in this church, lay yourself down and lift high the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn away from self and turn wholly to Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Colossians tells us. And breathe in. <laughs> Breathe in the fresh air this morning. Breathe in the beauty of the power of the gospel to bring about something that you never, ever could. Live under the power of the cross and let the beauty of what God can do flow out and over your life. And this morning, that means if you are here 
and you do not know Jesus Christ, and you have been looking, and you've been searching, and you've been crying out, where can I find wisdom? This world does not have it. Well, friend, the only answer is in the one who made you. And that is in Jesus Christ, who came and died and was buried and rose again to save you. He paid the penalty for every single last sin in your life. Every crime against God. He has paid for that. Amen. And when you put your faith in Him, He doesn't say, oh no, no, you need to make yourself right first. When you cry out to Him, He says, come, you're mine and I am yours forever. So if you don't know Christ this morning, may that be your response, that you would cry out to him, the only one who can save you this morning. And cease looking. May all of us cease looking to ourselves and look to him. Look to Christ. May you and may we abound in this beauty. In the beauty of this cross-centered and God-given and God-glorifying heavenly wisdom. May it be. Let's pray. Father, we come... And we look to you. We know what we're to do today. And it's not looking more to ourselves or looking to all these other things. Lord, we say honestly and we say with all our hearts, we look to you. We need you. Help us, Lord, to lay our lives down. May the cross be lifted high in all of our lives this morning. Whether that means that we look to you for the first time and you save us. Or if we look to you as we've been we say, you alone, Christ, you alone. I lay myself down. I'm yours. And so we do. May we. May we look to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.